We've had a really powerful prayer time this morning in preparation for today's service. A little bit unusual for me, I have to say. <laughs> there was a lot of a lot of intercession going on this morning, and particularly my wife was was raptured <laughs> and and very taken in prayer. So I think God wants to get something to you. Not easy blessing people, you know that. Not easy blessing people. A famous evangelist pastor Rodney Howard Brown. And he, he has a little joke, you know, a little quip. He says, God forbid if you get blessed, if you, or you should get blessed if you don't want to be. And what he's insinuating there is many Christians are quite hard to get their attention, even when you're trying to bless them. So today I really, I urge you to, to take hold of your spirit. Uh, take every thought captive and, and focus in Jesus' name. And as Emma prayed, that your spirit will be open. Not just your mind, your intellect, yes, but your spirit will be open to grab something new that will change your eternity. I was in Dublin and one of the members in our church there came over to me. His name's Pat McMullen, one of our worship leaders, great, great worship leader. And we were doing a series on end times and he came over and he said, do you know what, Mike? Once in a blue moon, you hear a sermon on rewards, heavenly rewards. This whole world and the people in it, including the churches, are obsessed with this life, with their incomes, with their images, with everything to do with this life, even inserting that into their ministries. But when it comes genuinely to the next life, I don't hear that focus. Well, I tell you, he caught my attention, caught my attention as a person who's been speaking on end times for many years with great, you know, depth and, and given a lot of my time, I realized my own error and how I was also caught up in this life, even with eschatology, I'd missed something. And in the, these last few weeks, we've been endeavoring to correct that in some way. If you want an anchor scripture for these few weeks, the first message was called All Rise, because we will. <laughs> we will all rise, whether you're lost or saved. Trust me, you will rise one day. We all will. You'll either be resurrected or you'll be raptured, but you will rise, and you will see Jesus Christ. Um, if you want a foundational scripture, you can have 2 Peter chapter 1, where he deals partly with what I'm looking at here, your eternal reward. Your eternity. What could be more important than that? What's the point in being successful in this life and being unsuccessful in eternity? If I teach my children to be successful in this life and not successful in eternity, that is poor parenting. That is poor parenting. You're short-sighted. You've been taken up with the world. You're messing it yourself and you're passing it on to your kids. You've got the wrong focus. What's the point in being successful in life? What's the point of it all if you fail in eternity? What's the point? So please get the focus right. May you be successful in this life. But I pray that that focus is corrected as Jesus, as Peter, as Paul guide us. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. For this reason I'm saying this. Make every effort, make it your business to add to this faith. Pastor, I've got faith. I'm born again. I know, says Peter. 
I know you're saved. Now make every effort, put effort into it to add to your faith. Works intentionally. Wow. What a blind spot. What a blind spot in me. God forgive me. And Peter in the same few verses, Peter goes on to say, then you will receive a rich reward in heaven. Forever and ever and ever. Not just for this moment, this vapor that we are on earth. But for eternity. Hallelujah. Isn't it funny how the things that we should get right, we get wrong. The things we should focus on, somehow we get blinded and deceived. Resurrection, judgment and rewards. The big three. And we hear so little about them. We will all be resurrected. And we will all appear before Christ. Judgment, of course, we ju there is a way in which we as Christians judge. Um, but you've got to be very careful with the way you handle that. Um, because I'm not a judge. I'm not your judge. Who am I to judge anyone? That's what Paul says. The, the people in Rome had this problem. Paul wrote to the Romans and said, Who are you to judge another man's servant? There is one that judges. <laughs> there is a judge. That judge is not me. Jesus didn't come into the world to judge anybody. And he doesn't send, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So Jesus didn't come to have a judgmental attitude. There is one, however, that does judge. And it's the Word. So I don't, when it comes to resurrection, I need to understand it fully. When it comes to judgment, I need to understand where the judgment is and see myself as having no worth or worthiness to judge anyone at all. God forbid. Rather, I would, I, I stand on scripture and teach people and hopefully lead my own life in accordance with what the judgments written in the Logos state. And then we come to rewards, resurrection, judgment and rewards. Once again, these three hugely underestimated and undertaught in our churches. And I pray even that this one day, I've had some visions today, very encouraging this morning. We've been praying. So I pray even this one day can make a difference in your eternity. When you were in school, you probably got a mock paper. You know, you lose many things, but you don't lose your mock paper, right? <laughs> because you want that. You want to know what the exam's going to be like. You want to know what's coming up. Later on today, I'm going to send you notes. I didn't send you them before because there's about 10 pages. But they're very, very important. I, I don't do these things unnecessarily. It's very important that you listen to me. Very important. And you get these notes later on. And if you're wise, you'll take some time and you'll study these things until you come. Aha! Until the eureka moment hits you and you suddenly wake up and realize I'm going to start serious investment in eternity. Or one day, that's a great regret. You're going to suffer loss. So as I've been looking at this afresh for the last few weeks, I think the biggest thing that's hit me is that Jesus, Peter and Paul, they all advise us, be intentional. Be intentional with your good works. And the truth is about me, and you can think about you, a lot of my good works are accidental. <laughs> They're incidental. Something happens, an incident, and I help someone. They're accidental. I, I, I just happen to do something and somebody's blessed. But that's, that's all great. But this is not the inference of Peter, Jesus, and Paul. 
intentional. Intentionally, I am supposed to be pursuing good works in order that I build up a greater eternal reward. So I should be able in my life to sit down and say, of course, this incident happened and I did a good work. Of course, accidentally I did this. But these are the things that I personally am intentionally doing to pursue a greater reward as was advised me by Christ himself. And I'm just saying, it's my opinion that that list is going to be pretty short. I know we'll be studying investments in this world. I know you do. No problem. That list might be quite long. <laughs> but your list of intentional additional, make every effort to add, your list of intentional additional good works could be a short list. And that is definitely not wise. So when it comes to punishments and, reward, and rewards in heaven, they're not all the same. In fact, they're all different. Unlikely, then, like, like a fingerprint, as Sandra was saying on Friday, no two will be the same. Everyone's going to be rewarded and, or punished with incredible accuracy, the likes of which we cannot even comprehend. And I will say to us, don't get a negative perspective from what I'm saying. I don't believe anybody's going to be unhappy in heaven or disappointed or grieving eternally. That's not the case at all. That's not the full story. However, the rewards are going to be different. Some will be rewarded more than others. And we'll be able to see that. But that's not going to cause you pain in eternity. Look at this. Here's a small glass and here's a big glass. Now if I, if I dunk both of these glasses in the ocean, what happens to them? They're both full. They both get filled. So, and if the ocean was joy, Jesus said, pursue this so that your joy may be full, so that your rewards may be full. The fact is, this vessel can be dunked in the ocean and it will be full of joy, full of rewards. But this vessel is bigger. And this vessel can be dunked in the ocean. And this vessel will also be full. They'll both be full. It's just that this vessel has worked harder, done more, been more focused, understood better, and pursued differently. So our abilities, as Scripture explains it to us, our, our work here on earth will one day be seen and it's very it's different for every person and Jesus says work so that on that day you present Christ with the biggest vessel that you can possibly achieve for his glory and that will be your eternal reward so you won't be sad the small glass is full and happy the big glass is full and happy but one renders more praise and more glory than the other. What disrespect we have for this subject. I tell you, what disrespect, what dishonor, what dishonor in the house of God. Disregard for the words of Jesus to build up heavenly rewards. Nothing new, eh? Nothing new under the sun. Look at this. <laughs> 
Lentil soup, very nice, huh? Not very expensive. You've got Esau, Esau and Jacob, and Esau has the blessing of Isaac on his life. Imagine the eternal rewards that will come from a life walking in the blessing of Isaac. Unimaginable blessing. But Esau thought so little of his eternity that he sold his blessing to his brother for a bowl of soup. A bowl of soup. I'll give you this if you give me your... I tell you what, never do, never do business with the devil. The devil's will he'll give you a very bad deal. <laughs> deal. You know what, what Esau should have said? Deal or no deal? No deal. No deal. No deal. I know what I've got. I know what I've got. I'm going to hang on to what I've got. Don't sell, sell yourself out. Don't sell out. In this life, you're being ripped off. You're being conned by the greatest con man of all, Satan himself, who swindles us out of this eternity. Years ago, before we had phones, I bought a newspaper. Who buys a newspaper anymore? <laughs> I was on a bus. I was going to. I never forgot this story. I read this story about a pencil case. It was fascinating. On this bus one day, and it stuck in my head. This antique dealer found this pencil case. It's very expensive. It had like precious stones on it and stuff. And he, he paid over a thousand pounds for it. I think it was 1,200 pounds for this pencil case. And he thought it was a fortune. But something in him felt that this, this could be valuable pencil case. So he takes it and he brings it to his shop and stuff. And sure enough, one man walks in one day and he thinks he understands this pencil case. So he buys it. And then he does research and he puts it, he advertises it. And he got £28,000 for the same pencil case. Because he knew what he had. But the story didn't end there. Because that's remarkable, but it's not maybe unbelievable. It's just incredible. The end of the story was, the guy who paid the twenty-eight grand, he really knew what he had. And he knew there was a group of people in the Middle East who, if they only knew that this was available, we will have the biggest bidding war you've ever seen. And he got over a million pounds for that simple pencil case. He understood what he had. But look at the differing degrees of who understood what. And look at the differing rewards in accordance with what we understand. If you understand, then every day the most precious thing I have is time. Time. And Jesus warns us, use your time well to build up treasure for yourself in heaven. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. There are many things mentioned in Scripture for which we will be rewarded, for which you will be rewarded. Jesus says in Revelation 22, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. So it's a focus to Christ on his return. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. But you will be rewarded for certain things. Firstly, you'll be rewarded for holding on to the truth about Jesus Christ and the way of salvation. Scriptural truths. 
you'll be rewarded for that. James chapter 1 verse 12, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. That's a reward for perseverance under suffering. Number two, you'll be rewarded when you're insulted or excluded on account of Jesus Christ. Not for other reasons, but on account of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5 verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Number three, you will be rewarded for your prayer and for seeking God and for fasting. There's a reward for that. Matthew chapter 6 verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There's another reward. Number four, you'll be rewarded for tending the needs of other people, for looking after the needs of other people. Truly, I tell you, anyone who gives a cup of cold water in my name because they belong to me will certainly not lose their reward. Number five, you'll be rewarded for showing kindness to those who cannot repay you. Luke chapter six, verse 33. What good is it if you only do good to those who are good to you? What reward is there for this? So, I pray you pray for your own eyes and pray for your perception as you read scripture. That you'll begin to see this is everywhere. 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 The apostles teaching us but we can't see it because it's not, our, it's not the perspective from which we are reading the gospels particularly. The encouragement to pursue rewards... And the guarantee of them is repeatedly stated as a motivation. Nothing wrong with that. The good father, he's trying to bless you. Let me explain that point further. It, it's, a good, it's a good comparison to look at the business structures in the world and then compare the kingdom of God. The, kingdom, the, the business world, if you like, and the kingdom of God. There's some interesting parallels there. For example, if I was a businessman in the world, I can be a sole trader. Totally independent, standalone, self-assessed kind of thing. The next level up, I can be a limited company, audited, all that sort of stuff. You can be a public company. Or if you do really well as a public company, you can get listed and floated on the stock exchange. And you can have a franchise model. Really nice model, franchise model. Something's a success. And because it's a su so successful, other people are willing to replicate that very model and share that success. So for me, I see two very big comparisons here with the kingdom of God. Firstly, the kingdom of God is very similar to a floated company. A company that does very well. That's an understatement. So well that the directors, they put it on the open market and they say, Do you know what? We're inviting anybody to invest. Everybody can join our company. Let me just put a little caveat in there. However, there is a closing date. <laughs> there is a closing date. You have to be conscious of that. So when companies launch, they'll open it up to whoever wants to invest. So like the kingdom of God, isn't it? Where Jesus comes into the world and he announces, I'm inviting you for an investment. But once again, 
There's a warning about the closing date. I don't mean the return of Christ. I mean the day you die. That's your closing date. You have no more chance then of investment. When I lived in, in Ireland, they, the government sold off the telecommunications industry, which was a public industry, nationalised industry before that, and they privatised it and sold it. And all over the nation, there was these billboards with the deadline on it. I think it was 29th of January. Don't miss the deadline. Don't miss the deadline. Invest while you've still got time. Invest while you've still got time. I never forgot that. They, they, they were pushing it so hard. And that's it. For you, you have a limited time. This is a wonderful opportunity. It's the best investment I will ever make. <laughs> it's the best investment I can teach my kids to make. This is it. This is it. This is it. Teach them to invest in eternity. Model it. Model it for your family. Model it within your home. Explain to them why we're making the sacrifices we're making. We're, we're not doing this because we want to give to this. We want to do this. That's why. Model it, mums and dads. Model it even more so as the day approaches. Get ready. Closing. Closing date. Second model, the franchise model. Wonderful model, isn't it? And the churches, if I can say the floated company, is like the big picture, the global, the Catholic, small c, the Catholic global international church. But the franchise is like that individual church, like LFC or any other church. It's a local expression. And franchise, when someone has a franchise, say for McDonald's, not all McDonald's are the same. McDonald's differ enormously around the world. And if you travel, which I have done a lot, you'll find that they're completely different. You go into McDonald's in, J in Japan, for example, you're going to be eating teriyaki chicken whether you like it or not. Because <laughs> that's what they do. Because it's Japan. They don't sell the same things as the UK. You go into McDonald's in Singapore, which I do regularly, they have these great seaweed fries. <laughs> you're not going to find that in London. Seaweed fries are lovely, by the way. They're really, really nice. Uh... So, but it's very similar with God. He, he, he gives the, the, the liberty within certain boundaries for the expression within your church. Just like a successful franchise gives the liberty for expression within certain boundaries, biblical boundaries, within your church, whatever group you happen to be with. So I see the kingdom very much like that business structure. And remember, God is a businessman. He is a good father, but he's also a businessman. So when he puts the talents and he gives them out, he comes back looking for the return. Where's the return? Now, <clears throat> it is required of he who has been given a trust. You must prove faithful with that trust. Where's the return? Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit from what I invested in you? I invested in you. I saved you. I gifted you. I commissioned you. I spoke to you. Where's the return? And as we saw in this All Rise Part 1, there will be a day where you will have to answer that question. <laughs> Imagine that. The scripture says, for everyone will give an account. You're going to give an account. You're going to stand and you're going to answer that question. Time, talents and treasure, the, the big three. That's what you'll be questioned on. And your words. Your time. How is it spent? The talents, the giftings. 
Where's the return on that? Did you give it to the church or did you keep it for yourself? <laughs> and your treasure, finance. So this is a kingdom. I'm in a, I'm in a kingdom. I have a king. The Lord Jesus Christ. You have a king. Jesus Christ. And I'm in his kingdom. And it's an eternal kingdom. It's not an earthly thing. It's not a worldly thing. I have a different king. Every kingdom has a territory. Or it's not a kingdom. The territory for God is, is the world, but the church in the world more so. Every kingdom has subjects. That's those who are born again. Every kingdom has laws. Protocol. For operation. Or you're going to lose. You'll suffer loss. And every kingdom has a culture. And I, I seriously advise you, be very... I want you to invest... And I want you to invest intentionally in the kingdom of God and eternity. But I want you to be very careful how you invest. Be very careful. I, I shared an example, a wonderful example I heard many years ago about Alexander the Great. <coughs> Excuse me. Alexander the Great was one of the greatest conquerors who's ever lived on this planet. In fact, unique in some ways. Exceptional achievements. And he had a man in his army who was a very wicked soldier, a bad soldier. And news, and his name was also Alexander. News of Alexander the soldier reached the ears of Alexander the Great. There's a man out there who carries your name. And he's done this, he's done this, none of which, of which you approve. And Alexander the Great is continuing to hear of this man abusing his name <laughs> so one day I've had enough of this bring him here so this soldier comes trembling and Alexander the Great is, is famed for this little short statement to that soldier <laughs> nice and clear he said this to him either you change your behavior or I will change your name now go you can imagine that <laughs> I got away with my life but from this point on, I will live by the standards of Alexander, lest I appear before him again. I achieved great things on the battlefield, but not in accordance with what Alexander wanted. And so I have suffered loss. So I encourage you to invest, but more than that, greater than that point is that I encourage you to invest in accordance with the etiquette and protocol laid down in Scripture, for this will be the judge of everything I do and say. Every thought, word, and deed will be measured by this book. Yes, it will. So don't be a foolish investor. Be a wise investor. Let's take a moment and consider why on earth would people not invest in eternity? Why would they not invest? When you hear this, you, I think, you know, devil can deafen us. Why would people not invest? A few reasons. Number one, they think it's all about the next life. Pastor, I've got my mortgage to pay. I've got an electricity bill to pay. I've got to put fuel in the car. I've got problems now. Hello, I'm not thinking about... There's a pandemic. 
<laughs> Hello? What are you talking about the next life? That's a misconception. That's not true. Rewards, we should look at this maybe next week or the week after if, if, if I can. God willing. Listen to Jesus in Mark chapter 10. He says this, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age and in the age to come rewards in eternal life. So Jesus, that question of why are you talking about eternity, this is what the apostles were doing. They saw themselves following Jesus and they're starting to look back like Lot's wife. <laughs> Not very advised, right? She, they're starting to look back and think, hey, I just left my fishing business for you. What's going to happen? Tell us more about this. How are we going to survive? And Jesus reassures them, I tell you the truth, he says. No one will fail to receive, provided they obey the protocol. No one will fail to receive in this life, provided they invest accordance with the rules. You will receive in this present life. Homes, families, relationships is what that is. But also persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. So for me, an over-focus, an imbalance, a misunderstanding about the nature of awards being both present and eternal is primary reason why people do not invest in eternity. Second reason, it's human nature to despise the day of small things. It's human nature to despise the day of small things. And that is a huge mistake to make. It's peppered across Scripture. Uh, the biggest example you always hear is in 2 Kings where it talks about Naaman who was a commander in the army and he had leprosy so he's going to die. And someone hears that there's a prophet nearby, Elisha. And one of the servants say to the master, Naaman, you don't have to die. There's a prophet nearby and many people have been healed. All you have to do is, 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 is talk to him. So Naaman sends his servant, tell Elijah to come to me. And Elijah doesn't come, he sends a messenger. Elijah sent a messenger to say to him, go and wash yourself, Naaman. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and cleansed. But Naaman went away angry. He said, I thought surely you would have come to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave your hand over the spot and cure me of leprosy. There's better rivers in Farfar and Damascus, better than the waters of Israel. I could have washed in them. What an attitude. <laughs> and Naaman's servants, they're shocked. And they went to him and said, My father, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? But because in your eyes it's small, you reject your own healing? God's trying to bless you? And you reject it? Are you crazy or what? Not easy to bless people, you know. Naaman repents. And he obeys the prophet. So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. As the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored. Don't despise the day of small things. You know, the, the irony in scripture is every time you see something small, it's a trigger for something big. <laughs> Remember the widow's mite? She put it, 
the, the, the key for the widow. Get the might into the hands of Jesus. I know it's small when it's in your hand. It is. And it can remain small. But if the widow succeeds in seeing the future, seeing the Lord, if the widow gets the small thing into the hand of Jesus, boom! The widow's oil. It's a small little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. Okay, widow, it's the same thing. It's a small thing now. It will remain small until you get it into the hands of the prophet who represents God in that place. Then it will multiply. And this small thing, don't get stuck with that. The little boy's lunch. The disciples couldn't do anything with it until the little boy's lunch reached the hands of who? Jesus. Jesus. Get your small thing, whatever that may be. Small ministry, small dream, small amount of finance. Get it into the hands of Jesus. There it will multiply. Do not despise the day of small things. You will be tested. You will. I believe we're all tested with this. Our, our attitude to being asked to do what we perceive to be a small thing. And that's my third reason why people, uh, we call it perceived in pastoral terminology. We, we refer to it as perceived success. There's many pastors who are perceived uh, to be successful. But when you're in the game, you realize they're not successful at all <laughs> in kingdom terms. In kingdom terms, that's the reality, perceived success. And there, there are many who do not invest in heaven because they refuse to give up false hopes. This is painful. It's painful. Hope deferred makes you sick, man. Hope deferred makes the heart sick and bitter. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. If I just accept what God has given me to do and embrace that. And I had... A man once, and he wanted to be a worship leader. This was his hope. This was the dream of his heart. Now, I, it's my job to open every door I can open. So I opened every door. I gave him the opportunity. But he, I mean, it's not his voice. He, he, he was not gifted in singing, but nor was he gifted in anything else to do with worship whatsoever. And the, the worship leaders at that time and in that place said, please, no, the answer is, you know, very emphatic no from the worship team. This man is just not, it doesn't function for us. So I knew him very well, actually. And I knew what his gift was. It's a funny thing. So who's hurt? False hope. I don't believe the hope came from God myself, that's my belief. But I sat with him and I gave him some professional advice. When he was willing to listen. I said, I explained to you how this works. You have a gift and I know what it is. It helps. Your job is to fix the church building, which you do every day. And I'm very grateful. That's your gifting. You're really skilled in a way that other people are not. Now, at this moment, that's your gifting. Now, this is my advice. It is required of he who is given a trust that he must prove faithful to that gift. Now, what you're doing is in your heart, you perceive this as small. That's, that's a mistake. That is a very big mistake. It's different in function from other gifts, but it's no less important. It's not less important. This is not how the kingdom works at all. All the gifts are the same. It's just the function is different. That's all. So don't get him, get the bad perspective on that. So I explained him my, my advice to you. 
fulfill, prove trustworthy with your gift. And by the way, it's not small. And as you do, I will agree with you in prayer. And I will pray with you in prayer that God puts some spirit upon you and blesses you to be a worship leader. If that's your heart's desire. I'm not against it, but I can't force it. I'm not against it, but I can't pretend. So what I'm asking you to do is go and pursue what is the revealed gift at this moment. What is the revealed gift at this moment? What's anointed at this moment? Do that. Then we will pray. Then you're in a position to pray, actually. But see, this is the parable of the talents again. Here he is, and he, in his mind, he perceives he has one talent. So what does he want to do with it? Bury it. Bury it. He doesn't want to use it. He didn't use it. He, he, he walked away from the helps ministry because he couldn't get what he saw as the big talent. You see, he wanted to lead the worship. He saw that as something big. Oh, Naaman, come on. What an infantile perspective on the kingdom. That's, you know, that, that's no way to approach the Lord or his kingdom. Better to be a doorman in the house of the Lord. It is better to do what you're called to do and do it with a, a right heart. And you're going to find that on that judgment day, some were given much to do. But because they did it with the wrong attitude... <laughs> This is their reward. But others who are giving seemingly less things. And in this sense, it's not so much fruitfulness that God rewards, but faithfulness. But faithfulness. Faithfulness to that which I have been called to do. They say 10% of the people in the church do 80% of the work. You've heard that all my life. Yeah, I guess that's about right. Probably why they say it all the time. <laughs> it's probably about correct. Uh, but a bit like Brod Rodney Howard Brown, I absolutely, when I heard him make that quip, I just completely understood where he was coming from. <laughs> he goes around the world trying to bless people, but they won't let him. <sighs> absolutely understand it. And I pray that you will be blessed in Jesus' name. That any misunderstanding, miscomprehension institutionally, the religious mindset about heavenly rewards will be blasted out of your mind and that you'll receive a, a, a perception of the kingdom as it is. Let me conclude by saying don't give up. Don't stop doing good. The Bible says do not grow weary in doing good. Maybe you've done many things, but perhaps you did them with the wrong attitude, the wrong heart, the wrong, just wrong. And that doesn't work with investment. It's, it, it does not work. But don't give up. Don't give up. I want you to revisit your investments. Eternal. I want you to revisit your good works. But this time with hopefully extra wisdom. I'm going to go back and do good. But this time I'm going to make sure that I'm operating, as Alexander the Great would say, <laughs> I'm operating under the protocol of my king. That I'm investing according to the strategies given in the Bible. What is my gift? And we might look at that in weeks to come. What exactly are my areas am I investing in? My, my, my last concluding point is just really the statement of a fact. In this issue, studying rewards in heaven, your eternal reward, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. 
Isn't that funny? Jesus said that. <laughs> the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Jesus said that in another way. He said, take from the man who was one and give it to the man who was ten. Oh! The rich get richer and the poor. Well, the guy with the ten is doing the right thing in the right way. So let's give him more. The rich get richer in the kingdom every day. It's not that they want to. It's that people don't see the whole picture and obey all the rules. What's that song? It ain't what you do, it's the way that you do it. And that's what gets rewards. It ain't what you do. It's the way that you do it. And that's what gets rewards. So I'm going to send you your mock paper later. And I want you to swat. Okay? I want you to cram. I have a lot of meetings in St. Pancras Station because uh, there's nowhere else to go. And they got a big sign up there saying, behave as if you've got it. <laughs> have you seen that sign? Behave as if you've got it. Act as if you've got it. Well, folks, really get a grip on eternity. Get a grip on the, on the closing date. Either that closing date will be the return of Christ or will be on your gravestone. That's the closing date. So get cramming, get studying, and get the list of investments in this world and the, the list of investments in the kingdom. We need to see the investments in the kingdom growing. And I pray that every one of you become a role model. A role model in your workplace. Aren't you going for the, we're all going out, we're going to do, can't go. Why not? Well, you see, I'm making a sacrifice. I'm doing this. It's Wednesday. Prayer meeting. Well, what? No, because this is my eternal reward. I can't go, sorry. Become a role model. Father, I pray you would bless LFC. Bless all the members and bless all those people around the world who will hear these words. And I pray that you will remove the blockages and the hindrances, the misconceptions in their mind. And let them see how close eternity is and the richness of your goodness to bless them. That you're a good, good father wanting to do good to us if only we can perceive it. So remove the religious mindset and the old ways and let us go forward. It ain't what we do. It's the way, what, the way that we do it. And I pray we will become canny to doing the right thing in the right way. And eternally it will not be perceived success, but true success in the eyes of God. And an acceptable life, well lived. And on that day, many will hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Emma.